welcome to episode 306 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was published on Thursday, 22nd of September, 2022. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. That's the unmistakable roar of a Merlin engine, of a Spitfire, and that was coming from Biggin Hill, taking people on 3,000 pound jollies over the white cliffs of Dover. And that's exactly what I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at Dover Castle, I'm looking at the white cliffs of Dover, and I'm looking at some ferries. And I'm going to be going on a ferry very shortly from Dover Marina. But not PO, not DFDS. I'm going on a new ferry company, Sailink. And Sailink is taking cyclists and pedestrians across the channel from here in Dover Marina to Bologna in France. But not using big old boats, the roll-on, roll-off motorcar ferries. This is only for cyclists and only for pedestrians. And it's a sailboat ferry, so it's going to be the eco way of getting across the channel. And I'm waiting in the marina here for Andrew, who is taking his boat out uh, for a bit of a test. He's going to come back into the marina very shortly. And I'm going to be getting on and I'm going to be putting my turn S8i onto the ferry. And I'm guessing there's other guests going to be joining us. And we're going to be going across to France. Going good. This is Toby's skipper. Okay. Okay. Careful of your head and lines on the floor, yeah. <laughs> right, so we'll wear life jackets the whole time. We've got them just behind you, though. I am Andrew Benjamin Simons Stotz. And we're in the we're not quite in the middle. Where are we? In fact, we're not in the middle of the channel, but we're, we're... we are just coming into the uh, southwest bound shipping lane of the traffic separation scheme of the Dover Straits. Is that a dangerous place for us to be? Um, potentially, but there are very clear rules and uh, for what we're doing. And we all have a lot of equipment on board to avoid collisions. So it, it, there's a lot going on. I don't disagree. This is a really uh, intense area. If you look on a website like uh, Marine Traffic and then focus in on the Dover Strait, all you will see is dots of ships. But that is not... Those, those, those uh, markers on the website are not in real size, but it makes it look like there's no way through it. But you can look around here. 
there's lots of space. There are ships coming at us, but we, we can avoid those quite happily. What we're doing is perfectly permissible, um, and we follow the rules for doing what we're doing. And uh, there is plenty of space for this. So Toby has knocked the engine off now, so the engine was ticking over to charge, charge the engine, basically. That was to charge the batteries. We had some issue earlier. Yeah, the, the, somehow, for some reason, the, the, the batteries, not the engine battery, but the battery we have for things on board, had drained uh, quite a lot. So we were just charging it up again, but now we have a hydro generator running in the water behind us. Because and you've got solar power? We've got solar, and now because we're going along at a good speed, there's a good wind, we can drop this uh, hydro generator in the water behind us, and it's not going to impact on our speed at all. And it's going to charge the batteries, using, all using the wind. And the wind is powering the sail. That's exactly. So we have a we have an engine now in, above us in the form of the sails, and we have a fuel in the form of the wind that is uh, blowing onto those, and it's it's readily available for us and for the next person to use. So Brent there is walking. Yes. From, from here. Yeah. I'm cycling to and from here. So yeah. we're, we're green. The power that you're generating from the solar and from the, uh, from the hydro generator, um, and obviously the sail yep. is also green. Yep. So is that basically your shtick? You are taking people across who are walk pedestrians and cyclists using a green method. Is that is that that is, is that your sales pitch? It isn't actually. No, it isn't because uh, we have to be careful of uh, um, economies of scale um, and. If we would really do the calculation, you know, you've heard us. We have on this vessel we have one diesel engine and one electric engine, but the uh, diesel one is more powerful. We use that to get in and out of the um, entrances to the to the ports where there's tide running and things. So, you know, if we would boil it down and look at the uh, CO2, for example, or greenhouse gas emissions per passenger kilometer, we Demanding, depending how you do it, we might not be any better than a, a ferry, but it all depends how you make that cal calculation. And actually, I've worked in that field, so I know how complex and um, often misleading those calculations can be. So, I, And the other reason I don't sell it primarily on that basis is because we all have to go in the direction of being um, environmentally friendly and reducing our impacts, also the big ferries. So if, I, if that is my sales pitch in a, in a few years, I hope I will lose my sales pitch, if that is it. Um, so I have to have other ones to keep my uh, the business um, unique and, and to keep that competitive advantage. And I believe that that, that sales pitch is based on the experience, uh, but also providing a, a, a connection with not only with the culturally with the places we're going to and from, but also with the ocean we're crossing. We're having a completely different experience of the ocean, of the winds. You've already learned, I think, just in this short time, an incredible amount about how a boat works and what we need to look out for uh, and what we're using in order to get across. You've heard about tides, about winds. Uh, we're using those natural prevailing conditions to get ourselves across. Yes, we have to use a little bit of fuel, but in the future, uh, we're also going to uh, reduce that hopefully down to purely electric and be able to charge some of that on board uh, or, or recharge overnight at the, um, at the, at the, at the pontoon and uh, hopefully their sources of electricity are also going to be 
quite green. We had so a how many people can you fit on here? Because this is not going to be the, the eventual boat. This mm, is uh, yeah. This is this is an the boat. boat. An interim boat. Yeah. This is purely for the pilot phase. And also, I've used this boat in the past, in the last couple of years, with its skipper owner. Uh, to explore the possibilities here and to, to uh, do the crossings and to um, yeah really just run the feasibility on it. And uh, the feasibility of it with the next boat is how many passengers? How, Twelve. Twelve people? Twelve passengers is, a reg is an international maritime limit which means we're actually if we stay with a maximum of 12 we're not actually a passenger vessel. We're not classed as a passenger vessel and that means that we can use in theory, any port we like. We don't need to go to a big uh, ferry terminal in order to put our passengers through the passenger uh, cost, uh, border procedures. With, with a limit of 12, of course, you are still a passenger on board, uh, but we are permitted then to use a marina, a harbour, and uh, uh, with good com collaboration, the border authorities, the agents come to us. Or if it's not possible, we send out and, and they need uh, for example, if a UK passenger is going to France now, they must get stamped into France. And if the border authorities don't come to meet us in France, then the passenger needs to go to um, Calais to the port authorities and get their passport stamped. In your case, you're doing a very quick turnaround. It doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's quite fine for us to arrive or a passenger to arrive on, a, on this boat uh, on a, late in the evening like we're doing today and say I'm going to go tomorrow that's all right you don't need to get your passport stamp immediately as you step off the boat it's just not practicable and they are very uh, they are very pragmatic about it but you do need to pretty much go straight there as soon as you can now this is this this crossing isn't the choppiest in the world um, but it's still to me choppy compared to when I'm on one of those big boats okay yeah yeah, yeah. there's not, some movement yeah um, and that's giving me a, a fresh appreciation of these these refugees in their yeah. tiny inflatables yeah. who, who are getting even worse uh, being yeah. bobbed around the sea than, than we are. So, what? How are you viewed by both border authorities? And secondly, if you see them coming across do they come this way what, what, what do you have to do okay. as a mariner yeah so to the first question i had exactly the same sort of um uh, anxiety about uh, posing this concept this ferry concept to the uh, border agents thinking they would just tell me please we have enough on our plates don't come with this kind of thing uh, but i absolutely got completely the contrary i they they greeted me with um uh, welcome and, and enthusiasm for what I'm doing and and because I really I, sp I spent the time of COVID really following up uh, on the regulations and making those connections and finding out how can we design this according to 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 stay within the regulations we need if we're to operate a ferry day in day out we have no other option but to uh, work within those uh, uh, boundaries and, and it's only going to make our lives more easier if we, uh, if we really cooperate and if we can get them on our side and they, they cooperate with us. So I put a lot of effort into that before I really went to the public on this. Um, 
So actually, yes, like you say, I, I, I actually I did get a very warm welcome and we've had a lot of exchanges and uh, we found a way to do it. We've had them on the boat for uh, discussion. Um, I've been to the Port uh, Police of Frontier offices in Calais now at least twice to discuss with them. And uh, they're very all very pragmatic and obliging. Um, and then to the to the uh, to the migrant issue, it is a very a very very uh, sad situation. It's a very personally, I feel a very very sad reflection on on the UK um, using its castle, not only its castle status, but that castle um, fact that it is surrounded by this moat of the English Channel, and they require by not having a, an asylum procedure on the French coast, they, they make these people have to cross the channel in order to claim asylum on, French sh on English shores. But yes, they do not know what they're getting themselves into, really. They're launching themselves out into the channel, into conditions that I really doubt they understand fully. Tides with the currents, the weather, uh, the distance, where they're going, how they're going to get there. Um, and, and yeah, the, the Dover Straits is not a friendly place for is the this, unprepared. Is this where we are now? Is this this is absolutely, yeah, absolutely, be? absolutely. But they're, now they're apparently they're departing from uh, quite a long stretch along the French coast, so no longer focused on Calais. Um, so that could be going uh, southwest past Boulogne, it could be going uh, east, uh, east uh, past Stephen to Dunkirk, you know. so. And then with the tides taking them back and forth, they, could be, they can find themselves anywhere within quite a large area and thereby a long way from shore if they're not really on that Calais to Dover stretch. They can be a long way from shore. Um, and then what do you have to do if you spot them? We are under obligation. Every ship passing the Dover Straits, operating in the Dover Straits, is under obligation to report to Dover Coast Guard or to Cap Grenier on the French side. Uh, sightings of um, small boats. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, uh, interpretation there because you know anybody is allowed to be out at sea, and just because you sight a small boat doesn't mean you have to get reported. I mean, people do go around the world in all sorts of tiny things, but they don't need to be reported as doing something wrong, you know. So these people are putting themselves out to sea. In what they are doing is something unsafe for themselves um, and uh, so anyway the first thing is are they in danger uh, so we spot one a little way off we have the obligation to report it uh, we might see people on it we might not see people any people on it. it depends how far away we are from it and it can also be the case that the people have already been collected by the uh, border agents and the, the boat has actually been left in the water uh, and I've had that now a couple of times that we've uh, gone to investigate and there's been nobody on board. It's just a drifting boat, no sign of anybody. They've probably been picked up. And actually then, if, they, if that is the case, then the, the border agents mark the vessel, the, the, the boats with a number and, and uh, that's it. Um, if there are people on board, then we have to think of our own safety first. We're also quite a small vessel and depending how many they are, they can endanger our boat if we somehow go to their rescue and um, 
uh, we, you know, we can't take an unlimited number of people on board and that would endanger our own uh, seaworthiness. Uh, so we have to assess the situation. If there are people in the water, that's a different issue. Then you know everybody is obliged under maritime law to go to the aid of, of people in distress, and that's just what we have to do, regardless of who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do have to be careful of our own safety. If there's 50 people on board, we just cannot take all those people uh, in the water. We can't take them all on board. So, but the, the you know we're in a very cl small, relatively small area of water. So if we report it. The, the, the Coast Guards are going to be here probably even a, almost just as quick as if we go to them. So we would stand by and make sure nobody is really suffering uh, and wait for them to arrive and then we carry on. Okay. Uh, and just to add to that, I don't want to also in this whole sailing thing, I don't want to I don't want to make too much of it. It is, it is a sorry situation and it, I would like to help their plight however I can legally within what we're permitted to do and um, within the tolerance of the ports and the authorities that we're working with but um, I also don't want to make some sort of uh, migrant safari out of this sailing issue that people come on board and are thinking they're going to see migrants and mm -hmm. have a look at it. It's a big thing in the news and um, you know, we hear s reportings of hundreds of people arriving every day or m attempting the crossing. What we don't know is how many do set off. And how long does it take you to get across with passengers? How long is this trip going to take? Uh, yeah, well, it depends on the winds. Today we have good winds. Uh, we set off a little late for the tidal window that we have, but we should be fine now. We can always adjust our course to, to suit that. Um, so I think, yeah, today we're easily going to manage that five-hour crossing. Um, it always takes a little time to leave the ports and to get in the other end. So between harbours, yeah, I think we have a four-hour crossing. It's uh, at maximum. It's, it's going to be a nice, really nice crossing today. This is, as we said, this boat that we're using now. It, it's a good boat. It's commercially coded. On paper, it's ideal. It's all legal. Uh, for doing this in the future, we need a we need a bit of a faster boat. This has got a, accommodation, you know, quite nice accommodation on board. All the facilities, we don't need that. We need a larger boat to get 12 people on and potentially their bikes, and to go faster. Mm -hmm. A longer boat means going faster. And then, I mean, those those big boats over there, they're year round. Are you going to be? No, we're, I can imagine at the moment doing something like from April to October, so Easter to um, sometime in the autumn. Because, yeah, in, in winter it's when the big storms arrive. I don't think many people are going to be wanting to come. We're going to be setting off in, dar in the darkness, arriving in darkness. Uh, it's going to be a bit miserable. The boat will take a lot of beating. You know, it'll take a lot of uh, wear and tear in the winter and I don't think we'll get much return for that. And we need a time off. It's going to be for the crew quite a, a demanding job. I hope it's going to be really, really rewarding and, and good job. But they need a time off in the winter. We need time to just get the boat back in shape for the next season. Make any improvements, you know, additions, changes, uh, all that sort of thing. And how much is it going to cost? Um, I don't know. Uh, at the moment, we've got the prices that we've published, um, and that's simply based on 
me um, putting that into my calculations and together with sort of ideas on average passenger numbers uh, and uh, the number of days that we will be sailing which are based on historical weather data uh, but that can all be improved with a better boat. So we have a better boat that can handle the conditions that may, that we can go out in, in stronger conditions but the, the passengers remain comfortable and confident then we can continue sailing longer. We will have clear cut-off conditions where we simply say we can't go out in that but you know with modern um, uh, today's weather forecasting we know about that at least two days in advance so we can give our passengers prior warning and and then the contingency plan is if it's still not too severe then they can go on the normal ferry or they can choose to alter their uh, travel and travel with us another time or, or they this is the thing I think with people traveling by bikes and uh, like uh, Brandt is doing uh, is pilgrimage I think if people are already on this uh, they're already out for some adventure they have some flexibility with their bikes I hope we can accommodate, we can both work together to 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 build in this flexibility if needed, um, without too much um, uh, dis discomfort to people's plans. Um, so I think, you know, this sailing isn't for everybody. I understand that fully. We don't want everybody. We have 12 places, um, and uh, uh, but the the people. I think the people who it will be appealing to. Uh, maybe willing to also accept a little bit of flexibility. You've had to wait a little while on the key till we got there today. Um, yeah, but I think I think at the moment the sort of special nature of the triper travel that it is is uh, is, is okay. Um, yeah, we're using natural conditions, working with that, and I think I hope the passengers uh, can uh, accept that and, and tolerate that as well. And it's also something novel for them, you know, not just to leave according to a time a timetable uh, made according to I don't know what, what uh, but we, we have a, our timetable is designed according to the tides mm. and that we can plan a year in advance you know the tides we know already next year I don't know maybe we all uh, somewhere they're known already many years in advance but um, so we can plan a, a year's schedule and then if we need to we vary that uh, a couple of days in advance at the beginning or for the last year let's say we were thinking maybe we need to use have some different ports in mind uh, for example on the French side we have Calais of course uh, on the UK side we there's not many honestly either side of, of Dover without going up to Ramsgate there's Rye which is not very usable for us but maybe that could be our flexibility that we say, okay, the winds are not very good that day, we're going to go to Rye or we're going to go to Calais. Uh, but I think now it seems to be that by playing with the tides, we can actually um, alter our course within, this, within the same overall course of trying to go between Boulogne and Dover, for example, or Dover and Boulogne. We can, we can alter our course uh, and tack and, and sail uh, and use the tides and the winds to still maintain that without I think that the, the, there's more discomfort caused by a complete alteration saying we're leaving from a different town or we're going to a different town uh, I, I want to try to avoid that if possible What's your background Andrew? Where have you come from? Why, why have you done this? <laughs> yeah well 
That's it. This is sailing is the answer to my own uh, uh, preferences to travel. I grew up in Yorkshire, uh, but for the last um, quite a few years, I've lived in Switzerland. Uh, now I have a, a lovely family and, and home in Switzerland. Uh, so for s several years now, I've been traveling between Switzerland and the UK. Um, and obviously, uh, in the early years, I, I, I used the plane and I stopped doing that and used the Eurostar. Uh, I've done the ferries. My background is that I, was, I, I started off as a wooden boat builder, um, working in various places. Also went to Switzerland doing uh, boat building, actually, funnily enough, with the opportunity to work in Bern, in the capital city. I'd always worked on the peripheries of the coast, so that was quite an opportunity. Uh, and then stayed in Switzerland, and, and then I, I, um, I, I went, I retrained, uh, studied environmental science and, and worked in the field of uh, life cycle assessment of transport and energy systems. And so I guess what I've done is to combine all those sort of things and, and the, the uh, awareness through life cycle assessment and environmental impacts, human health impacts, all that sort of thing, and my own needs to get back and forth. Uh, what I've also done in the last few years is to revive my uh, boat building uh, and to use that to help uh, cargo sailing uh, enterprises uh, there's now been a, a resurgence, let's say, of transporting products across the oceans using sailing vessels, and that's mainly uh, fair trade, organic, you know, nicely produced uh, products such as coffee, uh, cacao, and rum, um, and then selling in the markets in Europe. And uh, they, these ships, particularly the Tres Hombres, uh, run by Fair Transport. Uh, that goes back to Holland every year after it's done its circuits and uh, then it has a big refit like a, a renovation every year and I go and, and help with that because that has a wooden uh, they have wooden planks on steel frames so I go and uh, we there's always a lot of work do, being done there lots of planks being done and that so I go from Switzerland to Holland uh, put in a load of new planks and then go home again and that's my involvement there and um, I've had the opportunity to sail and them, um, uh, but it's also inspired me to think, well, if this can work for cargo, then what about passengers? So I've brought all of that together, the living in Switzerland, the being from the UK, the traveling experiences, uh, the life cycle assessment, all of that. Uh, also, of course, I love sailing. And um, it actually started in, in, the idea started in 2019. I went with my teenage daughter uh, from Cherbourg, in France to Poole uh, in Dorset to do a little bit of the southwest coast path. And so we were, we were out for exactly for that, for that, a little bit of adventure. And we were thinking, well, I was wondering, well, maybe one of these sail cargo ships is, happens to be passing and they can take us across. And of course they weren't at that time. So we had to go with the big ferry. Um, and we arrived in Cherbourg by train. And then we walked to the ferry terminal. And in doing that, we passed the harbour with the yachts and the small boats in, uh, two minutes down the road from the uh, train station. And then we continued to walk for another hour and a half to get to the ferry terminal. And of course, in that time, we thought, well, why do we need to go out to the ferry terminal? Sure, we can go on one of these boats. And that sparked the whole thing. 
and I started looking into it. Uh, and the thing is, I was thinking then to start up some sort of platform whereby all these boats that are lying in all these harbors can get used to, to take people across. But as soon as you start getting into commercial um, uh, uh, exchanges, uh, then you need commercial certification of the vessel. The, the skipper needs to be commercially certified and 99% of the boats out there do not have that. So um, unless you're having some sort of other exchange, uh, it's not permissible. So that's led it down this path of a, a, a boat specifically for this purpose with uh, a professional crew um, and operating on a ferry type uh, schedule. And can I ask about your wife? My wife, yeah. Because your wife does bicycle infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. Or bicycle uh, getting people on bikes basically. Yeah. In, in, a, in a town or city in, in Switzerland. That's right. My wife uh, runs the is she's she's the head of the planning department for foot and uh, for pedestrian and bicycle uh, uh, planning uh, for the city of Bern in Switzerland. Um, we, but we're also very keen cyclists. We cycle as everyday cyclists. Um, but she does that professionally. Uh, yeah, and, she, and of course in sailing, she's an absolutely vital part of uh, this whole thing. I can't do it without her. You know, she goes off to work, um, and and I get the the. The, the possibility to, to, to develop this business. And then from a professional point of view, yeah, she, she's um, already involved in that and, and, um, and very much helps to encourage and inform uh, the, 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 whole cycle, the, the whole side of it with passengers with bicycles, yeah. Sailing, we've talked about the experiences of the sea and and this is also a real, a really serious sailing experience. You're sailing across an inter international waters um, on the open sea, on a very tidally, uh, a very tidal stretch of water. And you only really get to do this if you have connections with people with boats or you're part of a club. It's quite an exclusive thing. And so sailing is really a key part of it is to offer that just by buying a ticket for, I think, not that much. Uh, and, and gain that uh, opportunity. Also for, for children, for groups, for in the future, also for people with wheelchairs. We want to be able to get bikes on and off easily, but also people and, and people in wheelchairs. So, uh, you know, really open it up to, to whoever wants to come. And we're arriving into Boulogne. Fantastic voyage across with the orange harvest moon. But now I'm gonna hand over to David for a short break. Hey everyone, this is David from the Fredcast and the Spokesman, and I'm here once again to tell you about our amazing sponsor, Turn Bicycles, at www.turnbicycles.com. T-E-R-N bicycles.com. Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. Speaking of, of being able to ride every day, as a spokesman listener, I'm going to bet that you are the go-to consultant for your friends who want to ride but aren't enthusiasts and need some advice on what to buy. 
In that case, you may have people in your life for whom you just haven't been able to recommend just the right bike, considering their stature, age, mobility issues, or just plain hesitance to get back on a bike. Finally, those family members and friends can experience a new bike day with the all-new turn NBD. Get it? New bike day, NBD. Okay, the NBD has been specifically designed to be confidently easy to handle and easy to ride, even, well, even for those folks who might be, as Josh Hahn, team captain of Turn Bicycle says, are smaller in size and have a hard time finding a bike that fits, or older riders who might not have ridden a bike in a while, or riders who might have balance or physical issues, or riders who are just intimidated by the sheer size and weight of the average e-bike. As Josh goes on to say, the NBD will be refreshingly easy to hop aboard and ride. Now, how can Josh be so confident in that? Well, it's simple. The NBD has the lowest, longest step-through opening of any premium e-bike. So if you know someone with a knee or a hip injury or, or somebody who just can't lift their leg over the top tube of a regular bike, this alone could make all the difference. Plus, the NBD is designed with an ultra-low center of gravity and a longer wheelbase. And what does that mean? Well, it means that it makes it easy to balance and handle. And with a lowered bottom bracket and motor, the NBD is stable for all riders. It particularly inspires confidence for shorter cyclists because they can easily get their feet on the ground when they come to a stop. But the MBD isn't just for shorter riders. As a matter of fact, it adjusts in seconds, without tools by the way, to fit riders from 4 foot 10 to 6 foot 3 or 147 to 190 centimeters. The NBD is also super comfortable with its upright riding position, swept handlebars, suspension seat post, and wide 20-inch balloon tires. Need to load the NBD into a car? No problem. It folds flat in seconds. How about getting it in, in, into a smaller living space? No sweat. The NBD includes Turn's vertical parking features so you can roll the bike into a small elevator and park it in a corner of your apartment. Now, with a max gross vehicle weight of 140 kilos, that's 308 pounds, the NBD can easily carry an extra passenger and plenty of cargo. With up to 27 kilos on the rear rack and up to 20 kilos on the front rack. And in fact, it works with a wide range of turn accessories and with most child seats. As I've said before, and this is important to me, really important, safety is a core value at turn. And that's why the NBD frame and fork have been rigorously tested by one of Europe's leading bike test labs. That's also why Turn chooses to use the Bosch motor and battery system. It's one of the few systems on the market that meets and passes the UL standard for battery and electronics safety. Read the news and you know how important that is. Now, the NBD comes in two models with prices starting at $3,899 or €3,999 and bikes are going to start arriving in stores in Q1 of 2023. For more information about the NBD or any of Turn's wide range of bikes, just head on over to TurnBicycles.com. Again, T-E-R-N Bicycles.com. We thank Turn for their sponsorship of the Spokesman Podcast, and we thank you for your support of Turn. Once again, thanks for allowing me this brief introduction, everybody. And now, let's get back to Carlton and the Spokesman. Thanks, David. And we are 
back and I'm back on the boat, the ferry across, and we're leaving Bologna now. And we are gonna be about four or five hours before we're in Dover, but we have new passengers on board who are gonna go all the way across to the UK. I am Brant Williamson. I'm from Virginia in the United States. Um, small town called Delaplane. They're very dry here. They're like um, Haven't been overseas in quite some time. I'm very, very excited about this experience. This yeah. It's already been quite an experience. And what do you do when you're in America? What do you do for a living? For a profession, I'm a physician. I'm an emergency room doctor. And then if you hadn't have gone across the channel in a sailboat, because the sail has now gone up, a massive sail above our heads, right. uh, if you weren't taking a sailboat across the, the channel, how would you have got across? Well, actually, this whole trip, my whole trip has kind of evolved. Um, originally, I was going to take the channel, the, the, the channel across, and then I realized, well, like, that's not going to be a, the most efficient way to do this if I'm going to be going down to Dover walking, um, because I don't, I don't think you can get onto the channel there. You need to go back track to where you came from. So uh, then I was just looking at going on one of these massive ferries that takes people across. But when I found out this was available, that was not an that was not even a consideration anymore. So is the kind of because eco, we're not we're not burning any any fuel here to get across. Is that was that part of the consideration? I think it's part of the consideration. It's also just the adventure of it all. I think <laughs> this is just more adventurous than than jumping on a uh, a car ferry. I am Robert Tickner. And Robert, what are you doing today? Why are you going across the channel in this eco-friendly way? Or have I just preempted the question? <laughs> you have to a certain extent. Yes, it's it's um it's kind of a bucket list item. Um, you know, a bit of an adventure, and I've always been looking for an opportunity to uh, to sail across the channel. And then I saw this this come up. I thought, oh, okay, that's uh, quite an interesting. And how, how how did you see it? Where do you see it? Actually, came up um, in a in a different publication with the Independent, Simon Calder's uh, piece. He he mentioned it and said that this was going to start. And I follow him on a regular basis, and uh, I thought, yeah, that sounds great. I'd like to do that. And you've never been on a boat as small as this before, or was maybe not across such a, 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 a channel as the, the Manche? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've been on, on even smaller boats than this, but certainly not on a, on a seagoing basis. So, yeah, this is a bit of a new experience. And what do you do for a living? Because you, you, you're Brussels-based, yeah? I'm Brussels-based, yeah, in, indeed. So actually I'm the, uh, the head of PR for Toyota in Europe. Oh. So the other aspect of this is the sustainability angle, uh, which, uh, which, as you know, Toyota is very interested in, in that uh, kind of activity. So looking at what's happening here, it's, I think it aligns quite well with uh, what I do on a daily basis. And this has got some electric on board for, for powering, certainly out of, of the harbour. Is that an interest of yours with, with Toyota? It is, yes indeed. We have um, some hydrogen fuel cell technology which uh, of course is also used for electric uh, power. Uh, and we do have uh, some, some uh, prototype um, electric boats uh, using hydrogen fuel cells um, working on a, on a transatlantic or trans-Pacific basis. Um, so I think it's definitely something of the future and allied with uh, sail power. I think it can be a real boon. So you've come across um, 
from Brussels on the train, I presume? I drove from Brussels to I, Calais. Toyota, of course you don't drive. <laughs> why, what what indeed, a silly question. Yeah, okay, so but you've- then I you've, took the train after okay. that. Okay, yeah. so, you, and you've parked up and you've, 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 you've got to here. What are you doing across there in Dover? So I'm going, I'm going to get off this, uh, this yacht and then I'm going to hot foot it uh, to the ferry terminal and go straight back to, uh, to Calais. Oh, you're doing the full, the full treatment the full then? Full excursion, yeah. I need to be back in, uh, back in Brussels for tomorrow morning. Right. What time, is the, what time you, do you have to get to, to Dover? Well, the, um, the ferry is due to leave at 10 to 7. Um, as a, but as a foot passenger, I need to be there about an hour and a half beforehand. You should be fine. I hope so. Because you were, you were tracking the journey, weren't you, in a in vessel finder last night? I tracked it yesterday. Um, and it took, what, nearly six hours to get across. But I think if it's six hours a day or less, then I should be fine. You don't have to run too fast to get to the ferry terminal. It's the hour and a half that has to be there beforehand, which is uh, the problematic bit. Mm. And, and not every ferry company that goes from Dover will, would accept you as a pedestrian or if you had a, a bike. So you, you basically they're favouring car passengers, That's car, right. car drivers. They the are, they are at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. I mean. Happily, though, the P&O are doing it. Uh, they're not doing it for all of their crossings, just a, just a few. I think there's three or four per, per day. Um, but the one that I'm targeting is the last one. So if I don't make it, then it's going to be a B&B in Dover for me. I'm Tom Treasure. I am Caroline Tyndall. OK. And uh, welcome on board. Uh, why, why are you doing today's trip? Well, I saw the, the information about sailing in um, the local uh, newspaper. French, <laughs> French newspaper. expat or French? French. No, fully French. La fully French. Okay. And, um, and I said to Tom, that sounds really interesting. And I've always wanted to sail across the channel. And as Boulogne is just down the coast from where we live, and it couldn't have been more convenient. And uh, so we, we looked at the website and uh, managed to secure two places on the sailing today, which, for which we're very grateful. Um, very easy for us to travel here. We just drove down um, to Boulogne and parked um, very near the port. And the plan is to stay tonight in Dover and then come back to Calais tomorrow on the P&O ferry, which is now allowing um, foot passengers after a long time. So it's um, a bit of a round trip. And so okay. far it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, well, you've got some good weather, haven't oh, we? I, mean, I was lucky yesterday. and Because a couple of days ago it was, um, as you say in French, you'll souffle ou tempête. <laughs> That means a storm. A storm. Okay. <laughs> Tom also is, um, is a retired doctor and um, professor of uh, cardiac surgery, and so he's still writing um, papers for uh, medical journals. So obviously, this is attracting doctors this trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, do, uh, sailors. Um, a lot of doctors go sailing. It's a favourite thing, you know, to have boat, keep boats on the Channel Coast. Many of my friends had boats. Uh, but they might sail two weeks a year, you know, but very busy. Yes. And uh, it, the Channel is often inhospitable for fun sailing, mm. sailing. 
but today it's brilliant. Mm. I've always slightly envied them, but never really wanted to commit to a boat myself. Uh, because it does occupy such a huge, it did of their time, you know. And money. Uh, well, yes, yes. I mean, you know the saying, it's a, uh, a hole in the sea into which you <laughs> pour £10 notes <laughs> or shred them under a shower, you know, that's all. No, so th this, is, this is poor man's version of that. Oh, so you're, you're, you're going on a boat, but you're not actually owning the boat or like, having to keep it. Exactly. You're fostering this, this ferry. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very nice idea because crossing the channel simply without having to take a car every time um, is something we lost for a while and now can do again. I am Wayne Godfrey. Why are you doing this? Making my uh, making the most of my time on the planet. I sort of uh, read it in a local newspaper, and uh, I thought, what a fab thing to do! And uh, combined with the opportunity to ride my bike, simple pleasures. And Wayne, what do you do for a living? I am a removal man, but uh, it's um, which I find very enjoyable. It's very physical, physical, physically active very job. Very physical, and like I say, you're part of people's journey. You make people happy. You bring calm to a situation. So Wayne, tell me your journey. What, where, when did you start and what have you been doing? So it's Friday morning. Um, got the 9.15 uh, ferry across, which is a pleasant crossing. Um, arrived in Calais uh, just before lunch. Um, pedaled uh, my bike uh, down to Boulogne. Um, just do a recce of where the uh, sailing was from on Sunday. And then uh, spent a pleasant evening in Boulogne and then uh, headed out um, Saturday morning down past the 2K in towards Burke. Again, some fantastic beaches, some fantastic cycling. Recommend France to everyone. And uh, yeah, had a nice uh, evening in uh, Burke. Not too much to do there, but again, it's what you make it. And then uh, headed out this morning, bright and early, watched the sunrise, which again, I'd recommend everyone done now and again to make the most of every day. And uh, yeah, cycled uh, consistently uh, 40 kilometers from Burke to Boulogne. And uh, yeah, French road drivers are very considerate. And uh, yeah, had a wonderful time. You've been on bike paths, you've been on roads, what have you been on, on mix? Yeah, uh, the, even in rural France, uh, they accommodate bikes very well along uh, most uh, routes have a bike path. But uh, again, it's a uh, road cycling. Again, the roads in uh, France are, are much more uh, cycle friendly than in Britain. And uh, yeah, uh, it's, the weather's been absolutely phenomenal. But again, it's what you make here, as long as you've got a um, warm clothing on the top and your core's warm, uh, you can generally tolerate most weathers. And I haven't worn shorts for five years because my skin is waterproof. So uh, yeah, uh, I got soaked when I headed out from Margate on the 6.30 Friday morning. But once I was wet, I was wet and I wasn't cold. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, it was a very pleasant cycle as well. So is this the kind of journey you would do frequently? It's just uh, I would take this uh, uh, journey again and again and again because it's therapeutic, it's uh, environmentally friendly and uh, it's a great way to spend your time. I find it's always good to take time out for yourself and do what makes you happy. If something doesn't make you happy, don't do it. Now when we get to the other side, 
uh, how far you got to ride? What are you doing? Um, from my house to from Dover to my house is three hours cycling, and it's quite hilly. And uh, there's about pushing yourself, but there's also within making it enjoyable as well. So I should cycle to uh, the train station and get the train uh, home, and then cycle from uh, um, there. So, so where's that? Where's home? Home is Sunny Margate. Um, which I've been there for about 10 years now and uh, I used to live in the inner city and there's something so therapeutic about seeing the sea every day and uh, just being peaceful really and uh, yeah the older I get the more I try and deliver myself places under my own steam because uh, I don't find for most people it's about the destination whereas myself it's part of the journey and the destination. It's, uh, I, I go to the Lake District uh, uh, by train and by bicycle. And a few times I come off the mountain and I think, yeah, I wish I had my car. But once I start pedalling, I think I'm free and I love it. Thanks to Andrew Simons and Sailing's first passengers for talking to me on what was a wonderful crossing between Dover and Boulogne and back again. Thanks also to you for listening to episode 306 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. Show notes and more can be found, as always, on the-spokesman.com. The next episode is a chat with Kat, who is a local organiser of a critical mass ride. That show will be out in a day or two, but meanwhile, get out there and ride.